Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Fasten your seatbelts, tomatoes, because we're about to travel the world from Andorra to Zimbabwe in the next 30 minutes. I'm Cheryl Benton, and my guest today is Leah Lane, who gives new meaning to world traveler. Leah is an award-winning writer and communicator. She writes for magazines, newspapers, and on websites, including Forbes.com, The New York Times, Salon, and The Daily Beast. And also, she'll soon be doing a column for The Three Tomatoes. In her latest book, which I am so proud to say was recently published by our Three Tomatoes book publishing group, uh, it's an extraordinary travel memoir, and it's called Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. So, Leah, welcome. Thank you, Cheryl. It's great to have you on today. And I'm always fascinated by how women have created their paths. And um, since we started our podcast, you'll be, I think, about the 48th woman that we've interviewed. And I'm, I'm always amazed how people got from where they were to, to where they are. And you have a great story, too. So tell us, how did you become a world traveler? Well, I started kind of late. Uh, nowadays, young people are traveling. My, my granddaughters have been to maybe 13 countries already just because they do this kind of thing, uh, you know, more normally through school and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I didn't start till I was 21 years old on my honeymoon. Uh, it was a doozy. It was a two-month honeymoon. So wow. I got to go through much of Europe, and uh, that really whetted my appetite. But I think mainly uh, I just realized that I love travel and I could write. And so I figured out if I put the two together and became a travel writer that I would get to see the world. And when I became divorced, it was especially wonderful that I had this career because I was able to, to fill my life with wonderful, interesting things and, um, and kept going. And I lived abroad for a while. And uh, I just, I just, it adds up when you, when you travel for 50 years. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's still amazing. A hundred countries <laughs> still is pretty mind, mind boggling for most of us. You know, well, those of us who think we've been well-traveled, I think you kind of hold the record here. Well, no, it's actually, actually it's about 120 countries, but I did cut them down for the book. <laughs> Remember. This is what I do for a living. Yes, wonderful. So I know you've written other travel books too. Uh, one is called Travel Tales, I Couldn't Put in the Guidebooks, and Solo Traveler. But this book, your new book is different. So explain to our listeners why you wanted to write Places I Remember. Well, I think it says it in the title. Uh, it was a time of reflection. I, I feel at this point, 
I look back, I very often look back at my travels with great love. And at one point I just realized uh, maybe others would also enjoy them. I, I, I just kind of reflected and I wrote my countries down and I just kept writing thoughts and remembrances from each one. And the ones that were the very best are the ones that are in the book. And it's a gift really to myself and to my granddaughters and I hope to, to my readers. And it's written with love. It's a, it's a very uh, loving book for me and I hope it's a very interesting one for others. Well, it absolutely is, and and what a wonderful legacy, you know, not only for your for your family, but really for all of us. And it's it's such a beautiful book because not only are the stories wonderful, and some of them are funny, and some of them are poignant, and they all have great lessons in them, which I really love. And I think you could only probably have probably appreciate those lessons. Um, having lived through them and, and looking back, I would imagine. But the other thing is it is so beautifully illustrated and it really just can make a beautiful cocktail table book too. So tell our listeners about the illustrations and how they came about because it's fascinating. Yes, it's, 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 a, it's wonderful actually. I, I, they're, they're illustrations of my own photos, 95% of them. And uh, I was friends, I met a wonderful illustrator who had worked for the New Yorker, among many other things. And he's also a writer, but he's a, a superb illustrator. And I, I thought of him when I was writing this book because I wanted, I had these photos and I thought, how can I get them in a book? And I, I thought, wait, they could be illustrated. I know this, this man who could do it. And so we worked on this project together with, again, great love. We went through the photos, we picked the ones that would enhance the stories. And truthfully, I, I really have become a photographer in the last 10 years since the smartphone. Before mm -hmm. then, I only took them, you know, sort of casually. But it's, it's that that has, has created the smartphone helped me become a photographer. And it's just a wonderful thing that when you travel, you can learn new things and, and open to new things. So I feel I am now also a photographer. But in this book, it is illustration. And I do agree. They're absolutely beautiful. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah, really, each each one of them is a work of art. They look like watercolors. And I know uh, he used a very special process to uh, to create all of this, but uh, it, they're just extraordinary. I mean, that's one of the, the many things that people will really love about the book. Um, so now, now I have a question for you, because I know it's like asking, uh, who's your favorite child? Well, actually, before I get to this story, though, I, there was another thing I want to ask you, because I know your stories happened over a period of 50 years. So did, did you have a way to keep track of all the places you visited? And how did you remember these stories? Were was it just looking back or did you keep notes over the years? Well, I, the, one of the first illustrations, maybe the first one in the book is uh, notes from 1965 when I went to England. That was my first trip abroad and very detailed notes. So I, yes, I've always kept notes, but I also talk about my, my travels and I've been writing about them as a travel writer. So many of these are, 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 are tales I have written about in one way or another. Uh, in the past. And then what I did when I was choosing the, 
the, the countries. I just wrote the countries down, as I mentioned, and then just kept thinking and thinking for months about everything I could remember. And I know many of us do this. We can remember a meal we ate more when we travel than when we're, we're at home. We can remember a site we've seen. And that, that's one of the best things about travel. We're very attuned to, to where we are. And it was wonderful. It just came flooding back. And uh, I had many, many, many remembrances. I took the best ones that I could think of and, and, and wrote them. So it came that way. Yeah, it's so great. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us will remember, you know, we'll remember a trip, but we sometimes forget, you know, I know for me, I've had so many pictures over the years and then I'll look at some of them and say, gosh, I, I remember that time, but I don't quite remember the place. And I have to say one of the, uh, well, my bucket list, uh, bucket list trip uh, was a few years ago when we went on an African safari and we went with another couple and I was our official photographer, but she has always in her travels taken daily notes about things. So what we would do at the end of um, every day is I would upload my photos to the computer and then she would read her notes to me and I typed them in. And then what I did after that, when we got back, was I created a beautiful photo book, but with all with the story of our trip. And I have to say to this day, uh, every once in a while, I'll pull that book out. And I'm so glad that we did that because it all comes back to life. So I think there's really something of when you're traveling of, you know, taking little notes too, as you go along, because yeah. we do forget, you know, the, de the details. We might remember yeah. the big thing, but the little details, so. It's amazing though, if you sort of, but let it sort of flow into your head. You, it's amazing how many little details return. If yes. you give time, you have yeah. to give a little time. It doesn't always come back right away, but I can't imagine, I layered it and layered it and layered it. And after a while, there were many, many remembrances that I had was delighted to, to remember. Well, now I'm going to ask, now I'm going to go to the other question. And I know this is sort of like saying, who's your favorite child? But can you share a couple of your favorite tales from places I remember? Well, do you want me to just talk about them in general? I'm not sure. How, however, yeah, however you would like, right. however you would like to do that, because it's right. just, it's so fascinating and your stories are wonderful and it, it will give, it will give people a sense of, uh, more of, of what the book is about and why they need to go out and buy it right away, right after this, they hear this. Yeah, I, I hope so. But I think, you know, uh, some of the ones, I can't say is, favorite is an interesting word because some of them are, are very, as you said, poignant uh, and, and serious and, and kind of deeper. And some of them are a lot of fun. So uh, I'll just, I'll just mention some of the, um, the ones, one of them you, 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 uh, put up in the Three Tomatoes newsletter it was when I went looking for a lemur in yeah. Madagascar. I went on a, a on a mission. I always wanted to have, meet a lemur since I was a child, and sure enough, I I got to meet one. But what happened to me was a real surprise, which I won't tell. But um, <laughs> I did meet a lemur. <laughs> yes, you did. It reminded, it reminded me of my uncle actually lying in the tree. But uh, we won't go at the ending is the surprise. And uh, another tale that I remember with, with fondness now, but not when I was in the midst of it, was when I was in Bali at a cremation ceremony. And I was standing there, uh, you know, paying my respects to the group. And I, after a while, I realized when I was feeling these 
sharp stings on my legs that I was standing on a pile of fire ants. And so I started to hop up oh, and down. Wow. Yeah, I was hopping and jumping and they thought I was doing some sort of, um, I guess, some sort of ceremonial respect or something. And they all, the people at the cremation turned around. It was outside and they turned around <laughs> and watched me as I'm hopping around in pain. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, that's a favorite story now. And, and what's interesting is that the worst things that happen to you are very often the best stories afterwards. That I have <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is so true. Yeah. So I, another thing too, I think was very interesting is how you decided to organize the book because it it your stories go back and forth in time, and that's because you decided to do them alphabetically by country, which I think is great. But how did you just? What made you decide to do it that way as opposed to you know chronologically? Right. Well, I think with a hundred countries, uh, it's hard to sort through. Some people would want to read about you know certain countries more than others. Perhaps this book you can read straight through, or you can hop around and, and choose, pick and choose in any order you want. But it just seemed, it just came to me. I, I just thought it was the best way to do it. And I had, an, I had lots of A's and I had a couple of Z's. So I knew I could do it A to Z. So there, there it was. I go from Andorra to Zimbabwe, as you said. And um, it just works. It's easy to, to, uh, to read it this way. And, and yes, it does hop around in time, change in time. But I don't think that matters that much. I think you, you find out right away uh, I may be in my early 20s, I may be in my 40s, I may be older, but, but I'm still me. And it's kind of interesting to read how that changes as you read the little, uh, each vignette. It's, it's always me, but in a different place. And I change, and I think I mention that sometimes, things happen to me, and I realize earlier I might have done something differently. And that's the little philosophical bent to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was a very creative way to to organize the book, really. I just, I loved it. And as you said, it's one of those books that you can just, it's a book people will go back to read too, because it's one of those books that it's very easy to just pick up, pick up, you know, any spot in it and read and and read a vignette and read a story. So I, I love that about the book. I think that really, really makes it even more special for people too. So you've been to so many places. If um, I know you don't, you know you don't have three favorite stories, but do you have favorite places? Do you have three favorite places? Oh well, <laughs> I have lots of favorite places. I love well the favorite places today that people seem to be going to are, are, are favorites of mine as well. Uh, uh, one is Portugal. Everybody seems to be going there right now. It's yes. Very uh, and my favorite city there is Porto, which is in the north, and people are discovering it now. But it was always there, and it was always a great foodie town and a wonderfully historic town and easy to walk in and very beautiful uh, town. I love Morocco. I've been many times, and um, I highly recommend it uh, as, a, as, a, as a starter place for a little bit of an exotic trip. It's not too exotic, but it's just got everything. And... Um, of course, I love France and Italy, and I do love Antarctica, but I've only gone once, and I doubt I'll go again. <laughs> wow. That's, that, and that I is... love New Zealand. I have to throw that in. New Zealand, is, is, it's far, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth it. It's wonderful. Well, I love it. And another thing, too, that, um, and I know it's, it's much bigger now, and you were doing this 
when it wasn't popular is for women is solo traveling. And I know more women are actually doing that, but still a lot of women are really hesitant or, or a little fearful about traveling on their own. What would be your advice to, to women? Yeah. I I uh, I think some people are, are are able to do this easier than others, and I know I, I wrote a book called Solo Traveler in 2005, so I was a solo traveler much of the time, and you can't convince some people because I think they're not comfortable. But I think if you're if you're wondering whether you are comfortable and you might like it, I would say take a short trip at first, maybe a long weekend, go to a city or someplace where it's it's easy to do it. And see if you like it. I mean, we all walk around doing solo travel most of the time of our life. We're not with others all the time. So I think, you know, you, you're doing it to some degree when you go into the city for, for a Broadway show or something. And you might go, you know, on your own, this sort of thing. But I would start with that. And then I would, uh, I would go to do something I enjoy. Uh, and, you know, solo traveler could be solo, really, all on your own or could be with a group. Uh, on your own that that's another way to do it when you're when you're with others but you really are you know on your own in, in one sense um, I do think you will meet more people this way than you can believe it's the one way I met people throughout my life was, was traveling on my own I, I couldn't stop meeting others it's like you have to really try not to because if you smile and you ask a question you right away are starting a conversation with someone they're always willing i would i would find all over the world i haven't been to certain countries that um i mean uh, i i haven't been to saudi arabia or someplace like that obviously where i wouldn't feel comfortable but any right. place where i would feel comfortable i smile and ask questions and i meet people i think to be safe you just want to use your head and your gut and to be a little conservative more so than you would be normally perhaps and um you know just use your head that that helps immensely just in general and I do think that um, if you dress down, you're safe. You don't want to, you know, show off too much, obviously. And I have this little way of getting ugly. I used to do it all the time. I would, <laughs> this is really silly. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, you're going to laugh. I know, but it works. You can put a big coal sore on your lip. Nobody oh, bothers <laughs> Nobody bothers <laughs> You're really desperate. That's what you can do. Take a Oh, my gosh. I've done that. And it works. And, that's, and thing, that's so funny. <laughs> the other thing is when you're eating alone, and that's a big thing for a lot of people, they don't want to do it. I carried a pair of sunglasses and that worked wonders. You just put them on and people think you're very mysterious, maybe a movie star, and they just, you know, just smile at you. So, and you can watch them. You can do people watching behind the sunglasses. Yeah. People watching to me is one of just the best things to do and I like to make up stories about what's going on in their lives it's, it's I feel like I'm eavesdropping on them but I love that advice and it's so true I, I have a friend and she's this wonderful woman who's in her 80s and uh when she was in her I guess her mid-40s she got divorced and she and her best girlfriend decided they were going to book a trip to Europe together uh you know that you know she really needed this and at the last minute her girlfriend had to back out and rather than cancel a trip she said you know what i'm just going to go on my own and she has been traveling solo and not with groups you know she really just takes right. off uh, for all of these years in fact just this past summer um she went to japan 
and you know she was in places where very few people spoke english but she's she always says the same thing that you did a smile and can go a long way and people are so helpful and she always says you can travel alone but you don't have to be lonely when you're traveling so absolutely uh, yeah so that's 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 great advice and i think you're right not every it's not for everybody yeah, but good. um but it's definitely something that uh, that can really be a worthwhile, a really worthwhile experience. Absolutely. And I just think it's important not to wait. And I think that's one of the things about solo travel. If, so, if others don't want to go with you, it's a shame to have to wait. Just do it and try it and, and see. Right. Exactly. And a lot, you know, a lot of women uh, have husbands who don't like to travel or, you know, friends who are doing other things so it, it's 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 a great way to get out there and live your dreams with some of the places you want to see so i would encourage people to do that too so let's talk a little bit about now about um if right now is a, a big time of the year when people are starting to book their vacations and since you're our expert here on all these great stuff what are some of the hottest places to visit right now and what would be some of your recommendations i i know you just mentioned uh portugal and especially the north of portugal which is right. starting to get popular what are some of the other places you would suggest well uh i you know i just go by anecdotally and, and some of the some of the uh uh you know I, I read a lot about this, so I know that Vietnam is popular at the moment. It's been popular for a while, um, and it's a wonderful place as well. You know, all of these places that are popular have the basics. They have beautiful scenery, they have friendly people, they have great food, that kind of thing. So you can't miss on, on, on those. Um, Iceland has been popular for quite a while. The trouble is, of course, when these places get popular, they get crowded. and um, that's, I would say if there's any way to get ahead of the crowd and, and go to places where people are not yet, you know, finding out, that's the best thing you can do to, to read, read a lot, you know, read up what, what places offer a great deal and, and go to those places ahead of the crowd. Because right now, if you don't go off hours or off season, let's say in Bruges, which is a beautiful town that I went to in the 70s, and I went to recently and visited it, and it was, it was packed with people so different you know the experience was different you had to get up really early in the morning like six or seven before the crowds came in with the tour buses and um you know it was just different so i think if you're going to go to some of these popular places at least try to go in the off season in the in spring or fall when it's most beautiful weather anyway and try to go off hours you know very early or maybe later in the afternoon to visit places and that helps um, but uh, a lot of places, you know, with, with the, nowadays with Instagram, everybody is seeing these wonderful sites of, you know, in Bolivia, a lake with clouds that are reflected, or, or in China where there's a painted mountain, and everybody's going to these places now, and some of them are not prepared, you know, right. no place to stay and so forth. So you want to research a, a lot before you go anywhere uh, to be sure there's, you know, I would get reservations for sure. Uh, if you're going to go to these popular spots, um, and I know, and I know too, there's a there's a real concern too now, and I know you actually mentioned this in in some of your books about some of uh, these really beautiful places that are that are being overrun with tourists, and it's ruining some of these uh, you know these wonderful 
wondrous places in the world. Right. Um, yeah. How do you, you know, I know, well, as I said, your book, you've talked about yeah. that. But. Venice, for example, is, is that's the one everyone uses because the cruise ships have come in there and there are a lot of problems there. You, when you look at the vistas, the beautiful main canal and so forth, you see these large cruise ships. Well, they're not going to be allowed in anymore. They're, they're going to have to, to, to uh, be outside of this central city, which is good. And now they are charging, they're going to charge, I don't think they've started yet, a fee to go down to the center of Venice. So um, it's almost like a theme park where you have to pay to get in now because it has become so overrun, especially in the summer. It's a very different experience than it used to be. So this might be what happens eventually where, where it has to be monitored. Um, and uh, you know, it's fragile out there and uh, we have a lot of situations of climate change and so forth with low lying areas. Uh, you know, lots of problems if we don't watch it. Well, and, and places where people really shouldn't be, like the recent, you know, tragic with the volcano uh, eruption, yeah. too. I mean, yes. you know, people just should not have been there. It just, it just so Well, it's interesting. Uh, it, is, it is interesting because New Zealand is such a lovely, tranquil place that they, they really do a lot of uh, interestingly difficult things like bungee jumping and so forth. And... And this is sort of an example of it. It was always known as a volcano that was very, very hot. And uh, people went anyway. It was just, it was just something that was uh, sort of common. Even cruise ships would uh, you know, drop people off there and bring them there. And right. I think they have to rethink that a bit, the sort of thing where, where it's dangerous today more than ever. Exactly. So I know you have a, you have, you have a wonderful quote where you talk about the difference between being a tourist and a difference between being a traveler. Would you share that with us? And your because I think it sure. really sums up your <laughs> philosophy on traveling. Right, and I think I have changed myself. So I think there's hope for all of us if we if we keep doing this. But um, the difference between being a tourist and a traveler, I think, is tourists tourists do what make them what makes them comfortable so it's a lot about the room and the restaurant and you know if we if we have the the nicest uh seat in the plane and that kind of thing well that's fine but a traveler seeks discovery and i think sometimes that isn't the most comfortable place but it is the most interesting and i do think it gives you the best stories so you can write a book if you do if you're a traveler a lot easier than if you're a tourist Absolutely. And I have to say, I, I, the best times that I have had and the most memorable times traveling is when we've just veered off whatever the program of the day was supposed to be and just ventured out on, you know, to do something different or try something new and kind of throw out the itinerary. And that is usually when you discover something really special. So I, I, I that. I, I love that approach to uh, to to when you're traveling in life. Yes, so, yes and I think yeah. it applies to life as well. Yes, <laughs> that's super and you sure. You know that because that's what you do. Exactly. So here's to more great adventures. Here's to more countries in your future and more countries in all of our futures. And I know that when people read your book, it's like you're going to want to be booking your next flight <laughs> and saying, all right, I need to get going. So I encourage everybody to do this. 
So really, this has been such a great conversation. And I know our, our listeners can follow you, your travel blog on Forbes.com. And very soon, you'll have a monthly column for the Three Chimanas too. So we'll get to hear more of your stories and travel advices, uh, advice. And everyone, really people, listen to me. It is such a beautiful book. And not only is it, is it a gift for yourself, but it's a great gift to give to, you know, to your friends. Uh, because people are just going to so appreciate it. And as I said, it's a book that you'll have on your nightstand or your coffee table and just occasionally want to pick up and reread. So the book is Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. It's available on Amazon. It's going to be an audio book. And it's also going to be available as a hardcover book yeah. uh, very shortly, too. So this has been great. And thank you so much. And we just wish you so much success with the book. Thank you, Cheryl. 